Hello, everyone. It's me, your host, Clementine Ford, back with another episode of Dear Clementine here at the Nova Podcasts Network. We are rapidly hurtling towards the end of the year. We will be coming to you over the summer break or the winter break, depending on where you're listening from. Hello to all of our Northern Hemisphere listeners. We will be providing you with a special series of best of questions from over the last season of Dear Clementine, which, excitingly, recently celebrated its one millionth download. So thank you to everyone who has been listening. Thank you for downloading. We would literally not be making this episode without you, our wonderful listeners, and we appreciate you very much. We're recording today on the lands of the Wurundjeri people. Remember, wherever you are, know whose land you're on and free Palestine. Dear Clementine, I'm struggling to know how to navigate this workplace situation. I work in a predominantly male industry and workplace, and the other woman in my department has developed an eating disorder. I won't go into the details, but suffice it to say, I am noticing the visible behaviours. She loves telling everyone at work about her diet and how great she's feeling. I told her outright that I would not be commenting on her diet or appearance henceforth and forevermore. Now we mainly talk about books and weekend plans and have a very friendly professional relationship. But people in the office can't seem to stop themselves from complimenting her or commenting on her appearance. As a chubby woman myself, I'm also beginning to feel extremely self-conscious at work. I want this woman to feel supported, but for the sake of my own mental health and self-worth, I'm not sure I really want to get too involved. I also cannot simply leave this job in the near future for a variety of personal reasons. Where do employer and colleagues' moral responsibilities start and end, and where to from here? This is a complicated issue, and I don't mean that it's complicated in the sense that there's anything justifiable or defensible about the obsession that people have with looking at other people's bodies and commenting on it, but it's complex because diet culture has woven its... uh, has gotten its claws so deeply inside every single one of us that there are these moral judgments that are made from people either within the diet culture kind of whirlpool or who are sort of outside being sucked into it. There are these moral judgments that are made about the worth of a body based on its size that that are seemingly inescapable and, as you've noticed, even inescapable in your place of work. And you're right, this is a workplace health and safety issue for you, not just in terms of your mental health, but also in terms of how you feel about your own body. As you said, that you've, you've started to feel insecure and self-conscious. And I think that those are very legitimate responses and, and actually predictable responses too. Now, recently I was, um, sort of just as a disclaimer, I will say that I am a straight-sized person now. I have a lot of bodily privilege. Um, I haven't always had that bodily privilege. And as I've spoken about numerous times in this podcast, I've essentially been in the grip of an eating disorder or mildly, on a more mild level in some ways, disordered eating for almost my whole life because of very deeply embedded ideas about women's bodies in particular in my own home and in my surrounding immediate environment when I was growing up. So that eating disorder was developed at the age of 12 and it still has incredibly lingering effects in me now. I know that my um, relationship with my body is very fraught and I hate that. I hate that I have had through no desire of my own as a little girl, through no um, seeking out of my own when I was young, 
because prior to the age of about nine or 10, I was not aware of my body except for how it felt and, and the things that it liked to do. I wasn't aware that it was wrong in any kind of way. So I feel so much anger about the fact that I, I, I can't see a way out of that very, very deeply buried paranoia, I guess is maybe a word for it, about what your body and its presentation says about you and how you can even like have a relationship with it when you've been trained so much to see it as being able to let you down purely based on how other people think when they look at it or how other people feel. So I think that that's a really key issue for you is that this is an, this is making aspects of going to work really unsafe for you. Unsafe is like a word that I think sometimes gets a little bit overused in the psycho realm, but it's making it um, hard for you to navigate and maintain positive feelings about yourself, which is something that you can bring up with HR. And it's also something that you can introduce into the work culture. Uh, But it's tricky because a lot of people don't question these things and they automatically feel like, well, how can this be a bad thing? Because we're complimenting her, complimenting on her, her and her body. And it would be, if we were commenting on her body getting bigger, that would be a bad thing because that's the kind of mentality, this idea that somehow one is good and one is bad. And that's where the problem lies. I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me recently. Um, And the person that it happened with is absolutely not a bad person at all. They were very nice and they felt that they were being well-intentioned, I'm sure. But it did just highlight to me exactly what we're talking about. So I was in a work environment and I was amongst people who I hadn't seen for a few years and it was, it was book related. And, uh, one of the people who was a man, although it is, is that necessarily relevant? I'm not sure, except that maybe men have been even more equipped to feel like commenting on women's bodies is, you know, their prerogative. And he was very polite. He wasn't, he thought he was paying me a compliment. And he said, oh, the last time I saw you, you were, you were bigger. Have you lost a lot of weight? And I was like, um, cause I just don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's no one's business. And I don't, you know, I reject this idea of like moral value based on a shrinking body. And the three other women who were present immediately interjected and said, oh, this is not appropriate conversation. You can't ask that. And he said, well, no, it's not like I'm saying she's gone the other way. I'm, you know, I'm complimenting her. And it just became so awkward that it was hard to know what to do. And also you're in a situation where you're like, well, I kind of, you know, it's not, it wasn't like I worked for these people, but I work with them. And it does, you know, problematize the relationship that you have with people when you're sort of reliant on some kind of financial interaction. And also it was awkward because he was a nice person, you know, and that's the other thing as well is that very few people are wholly good or bad. And part of why we don't say anything is because we don't want to embarrass the other person, which maybe I should have. Maybe I should have stepped up a little bit and said, hey, that's really not appropriate conversation. And I don't feel comfortable with that. Uh, but it's awkward. You know, people feel awkward. So it's another thing that you absorb. And it really just kind of, I guess, is, I guess highlights again, this idea that people have that if you, uh, if they perceive it to be a compliment, which of course, everyone automatically perceives 
the aesthetics of, or the positive kind of commentary on aesthetics of a body to be a compliment as opposed to a negative, then you risk as well then becoming really indignant and defensive when you say, I don't like that it's not appropriate or this has made me feel insecure. Because, of course, the, like, the subtext as well is that, you know, firstly, how does it make the people around you in that conversation feel if they, as all people do, have a diversity in body shapes and sizes? How does that make them feel? And also, how does it make you feel about past you when you were like, okay, well, so the last time we met, did you have very negative thoughts towards me because, as you say, I was a lot bigger then? Um, and also, what happens if I... If my body changes again, what what happens if my body begins to get bigger rather than smaller? Will does do I decline in value in your eyes? And the, the unfortunate answer is probably yes, because that is again how diet culture and fat phobia works and embeds itself in our way of life. All of that is to give, I guess, some kind of emotional context to. Uh, to let you know that I understand where you're coming from and I think that it's really inappropriate behaviour. And and a reminder as well to everyone listening that we just don't comment on people's bodies. Like the basic rule should be let's not comment on people's bodies. If you are close friends with someone or if you are close family members with someone and you think that there is a – and even this is very tricky – but let's just say, oh, so for all the people who said, well, you know, I get complimented, I get compliments when I've lost a lot of weight, as if somehow I've done something amazing or as if somehow my life must be incredible now. But actually, I lost a lot of weight because I was really unwell, because I was really stressed, because I was heartbroken, whatever the reason may be, that our understanding of health, people love to talk about um, bodies and size and and they love to excuse away their fat phobia and their intrusive comments on other people's eating or body shape or whatever and say, well, this is about health. It's about health. To me, I think that there can be few things in regards to bodies less healthy than making people feel bad about them. There can be few things less healthy than celebrating thinness in an unqualified way and demonizing fatness in an unqualified way. A lot of people are thin and a lot of women in particular are thin because they have incredibly unhealthy patterns and thoughts about themselves that have been inflicted on them since childhood from a surrounding society that has made women feel like their bodies are the most important thing, our bodies are the most important thing about us. And also that our bodies must be small and must take up less space and must be physically appealing to a very narrow idea of what attraction is in order to justify having any kind of presence in the world at all. So what I would start with, if you feel able to do so, is to go to HR and say, listen, this is uh, really beginning to impact my workplace. And you could probably also guarantee that you're not the only person who feels this way. Apart from anything, even if people don't feel particularly wounded by comments on bodies. It's fucking boring. It is fucking boring to talk about someone's diet, to talk about someone's eating patterns, to talk about, you know, how many calories they consume. And I know because I lived it for years. It's so boring. And I, to anyone who I subjected to that conversation, I'm sorry. It's so mindless. But also it's, it's, it perpetuates a belief that 
these things matter. And you are within your rights to go to HR and say this is creating an unhealthy, an unsafe work environment, but also it's just mind-numbingly distracting. And at the very least, can we just agree that they're boring? Can we please move on? The risk of that, of course, is that one of the other mechanisms that works in diet culture is pitting women against each other. And so, of course, you risk, and this is just the basic truth, you risk people saying, well, she's just jealous. Because that's how you get women to work against each other and that's how you also get diet culture to lock you in its grips is by making it a competition between women. Which isn't to say that women are the only ones subjected to diet culture. But maybe you just practice some stealth activism. Print out some posters about health at any size. Print out some statistics about the diet culture industry and print out some information about fat phobia and just stick it up around the office and see how people react and see if it can prompt a conversation. I really feel for you because it is a a difficult scenario because generally speaking, people don't like to be made to feel bad about the stereotypes and unhealthy practices that they refuse to let go of, whether or not that's people who are celebrating their own um, disordered relationship with food and with bodies, or people who are endorsing those things by way of constantly commenting on it. Um, But you could also, again, with that stealth action, you could begin responding to these conversations by taking things to the interior and say, okay, well, that's great. Now, can you tell me about mm, some really interesting things you've learned lately? Can you tell me about something that you've done recently that is really fun? And you sort of do it in in such an ostentatious and deliberate and pointed way that it is like that spotlight shift that we've talked about on the podcast before as well, where you shift the spotlight away from the conversation of diets and you put it onto the you put it onto the subtext there that these conversations are not healthy guys. And you do it by being really, really, really deliberate and pointed about other topics. And that makes people go, oh, it's a way of kind of getting people to sit in an an embarrassment, I guess, about being so obsessed with it without saying you should be embarrassed about this. And that can be a safe way to have those conversations. Or even just say more pointedly, why is it so important to you to track this woman's diet and this woman's body. Like, what are you getting out of that? Why Why are you so obsessed with this? Like many of the questions that are submitted to this podcast, I would love to hear a follow-up. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, what happens at the next step if you institute some of these these things because there's no one quick fix to it. It's it's an acknowledgement really of what you're going through and an acknowledgement as well that the systems that we work within often make it really, really hard to challenge them. But just know that we are rooting for you here at Dear Clementine and we would love to know what happens after this. And if you need to come back for any more advice or for some more encouragement, then please do so. You have been listening to Dear Clementine with me, your host, Clementine Ford. You can send your questions to dearclementine at novapodcasts.com.au. If any part of this episode has raised any issues for you, we have links to all of the support lines and organisations specifically that deal with diet culture, body image, fat phobia, etc. on the liner notes of this show. And I really, really encourage you to call them if you need to reach out and speak to anyone. From one person who has been subjected to diet culture to presumably many others, others. Just know that I see you, I love you, and you are so much more than the shell 
of an exterior crust that your beautiful soul is encased in. Until next time, I hope this podcast has found you well. Yours sincerely, Clementine.